as a sea clear as crystal. I firmly believe that that sea is there to reflect the glory, the splendor, the majesty of the throne with lightning and peals of thunder. To, to look at Christ from various angles, to see the multifaceted nature of his being is, is not a lifelong pursuit. It's probably more an eternal pursuit. We, we, we live on this earth with such a finite, albeit confined if not shallow understanding of the, how high, wide, long, and deep is the love of Christ. That at some point in time you run out of words, you no longer have adjectives, and we reach our human limit to adequately describe the glory of God but yet we are told in the scripture to behold him. Be. One of the hardest things in our culture to do, just be. We spend so much time doing that we forsake being. We work the majority of our life to get to a point where we can just hopefully be. I have something to share with you in the next 15 minutes that I truly believe would change your life, and I don't say that lightly. I know, I know the gravity of what I just said, and I mean it. I mean all of it. I want to encourage you today to just be. Just be still. Hold. In your being and in your stillness, Embrace him. Seek to reach out and embrace him. Hold him by the feet, the ankles, however you want to. Just embrace your Lord and be with him. Don't open your mouth. Don't say anything. Don't long for anything. Just be there. Behold him. Gaze at him and study him. When our babies were first born, late at night, I'd find myself up and I'd look in their bed, their little cradle there, and I would just gaze at them and I would just look at them and I really didn't know what to say. I just, I looked at the shape of their eyes and their head and their hands and their fingernails and, and I was just there. But you know what? I was fully there. I was nowhere else. I was taken by them in my gaze. Does he not deserve us to just be? Wherever you are, my friend, be totally there. And when it comes to him, just be, don't do, don't even say, and hold him, and want to be held by him. That's your starting point for each and every day. And then be beholden to him. Have we not rehearsed, have we not sung, have we not prayed today? The, the many reasons why we should just be beholden to him, to be grateful for him for all he's done for us. To owe thanks, to have a duty to someone, 
in return for their help or service or death and resurrection. Behold him. And as long as we're just still, let's behold the many facets of Christ for the, just the next few minutes. Behold the manger. Before it's a season of becoming trite and rehearsed, just behold it. The condescendant Christ leaves the throne of grace to enter into helplessness and filth that that condescendant Christ would give us a transcendent life. Hold that. Behold the manger. Behold the fact that you, like him, are growing in wisdom and stature. You're not who you used to be. And you may not be who you think you ought to be, but you're right where you need to be in his will. Behold the lamb taketh away the sin of the world. What a word, taketh, taketh. Bring your sin, he taketh it, taketh. More sin, he taketh it, he taketh it. The lamb that taketh, taketh, taketh. Continually, all the time, repetitively, on a daily basis. He takes it, he takes it, he takes it, he takes it. Behold the lamb that taketh away the sin of the world. The more we sin, the more his grace abounds. He just keeps taking it. Just like the cross, he keeps taking it, he keeps taking it. Where? To some sort of sea, off, wild in the distance. Can't even see it. I, the sea of forgetfulness. I, I don't even know where he knows that it, where it is. I, it's just out there, taketh away the sin of the world. Oh boy, there's plenty of it. Behold the Lamb of God. Behold he who is the way. People each and every day of their life are looking for the way or a way out or a way out of a marriage, a way out of a job, a way to another promised land, a way to peace. They're all worthy pursuits. But as you look for a way, don't miss the fact that he is the way. People want truth. Too many of us want our version of it. Objectivity is an endangered species. We don't lie anymore, we misspeak. The father of lies doesn't even lie anymore. But he is the truth. You wanna know what dead center is? Him, the truth. He is the way, the truth, he's the life. You're worried about breathing in and breathing out, and thinking that's life, that's not life. I'd rather live a shorter life with the fullness of Christ than an extended life with just a drip, just a, an ongoing drip of the Savior. I want life and life more abundantly. I want life and I want it now. I want the Zoe life of Christ to bubble up, burst, blow up, spill out, a cup that runneth over. This life, we're holding on to this life, we're, we're afraid of losing this life. Oh my goodness, there's so much ahead. The life of Christ, behold the restfulness of Christ. Someone sent me a note the other day, they, hadn't, uh, they had trouble sleeping for almost years. 
I tell you, you take a person who doesn't get enough REM sleep, it, it just leads itself into some sort of chaotic kind of insanity. Just the mention of restfulness and sleep in a, in a prayer and a service, she was healed. Her Sabbath's not a day, it's a person. We behold a God who wants to speak to us even in our slumber at night who has nothing but for us our, his undivided attention. Do you know that he is not the least bit double-minded? When you commune with him, he's 100% there, being there for who you need him to be. Are you there with him? Behold him. Behold the unhurried Christ. I don't know how Christians today follow Christ 99% of us have to be ahead of him. He's the unhurried Christ. We have to be so far ahead of him, we got to slow down and wait for him to catch up. I don't hear from God anymore. He's about 100 yards behind you. You passed him at about 9.30 this morning. Just be and be unhurried. He's unhurried, he's undaunted, he's in many respects unknown, or even parts of him are unknown to us. He's uncommon and he's unappreciated. If I just described you, you have a lot in common with him. You ought to get along just fine. I like this one. Behold the Christ on lead vocals. Christ was to put together a worship band. He'd be lead vocal. He rejoices over you with singing, Zephaniah 3 and 17. I find myself often difficult to rejoice over. I'm, I'm not often rejoicing over myself, I don't know about you. But often does it, the Lord behold me and behold you. Unbeknownst to us, he's singing over us. Thank God for that. I want to hear his voice clearly singing over me. I want to know what he's singing. Behold the lead vocal. Behold the guzzler. Yeah, we, we come into church in our ceremonially refined setting of reverence and respect and religiosity and we, like English men and English women, we sip a little bit of the cup of redemption, examine ourselves and move on. I don't see him as a sipper. Put before him was a cup of suffering in Gethsemane. Just the very sight of the cup was enough to him to wake up his friends time and time again. No, no, he's a guzzler. He guzzled without wasting a single drop the sorrow and the suffering of mankind. Behold that this morning as we sip on our forgiveness. He slam dunks suffering daily. Here's the cries. 
I read this this morning, I don't know if it's true. Even if it's close to true, it's mind-boggling to be in God's position. In Gaza this morning are 50,000 pregnant women. Put that in your doctrinal understanding of the world. Behold the lamb and take it away the sin of the world. Behold the guzzler her throws back the sorrow of mankind. Behold the grandeur of Christ. We like him neat and pure, holy and pristine and powerful and majestic and noble and praiseworthy and perfect and admirable. We like him that way. But he's far more involved in the trenches of human depravity than we realize and his spirit is moving about the horrific terror of this world. Every bit is involved as the mountaintop experiences we all experience from time to time. He's grandeur for sure. Behold the affectionate. You're in church ministry long enough, you know when you, know when you approach a person, they're not really interested in being hugged. They're, they don't want an arm around their shoulder and maybe a handshake will suffice. Paul said, I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. He's the one that slips in there and holds your hand and walks with you. I remember my mother used to go to the mall with my little sister. They would hold hands and walk and shop and carry bags of merchandise. And then the day came when my sister didn't hold her hand anymore. Christ is always affectionate, never too mature to withhold affection. If you have trouble with affection, if you've never received affection, you never with the benefit of affection, I hate to disappoint you. Your Lord is truly affectionate. Will break you, he will break you of a pattern of not being appreciated, he's tender. He's tender and gentle. He's tender and gentle of heart. And he's affectionate towards you. And whether you like it or not, he loves you. Maybe you didn't receive what you needed to receive, but he's going to double back on it and even up the score by the end of your life with affection and love, laughter, and fatherhood. Behold the Christ crucified. Striped, crushed, bruised, disfigured figure of a man. I don't know, it just gets to where words seem pretty useless. There's certain categories in life that they just stand alone as their own and nothing else really comes up close to them or really has any rival being anywhere near them. The crucifixion's one of them. It stands alone on its own. It's just like, we just need to, it's called awe, which we've ruined, we don't have anymore, but it's awe, it's, it's awe. It's where I just look and I don't say anything and I don't have any words because it would cheapen it to say anything. It would, it would actually cheapen it to comment on it. it. We don't need color commentary on certain things as it pertains to God because it's its own category and no language, English or otherwise, has in any, any business in that realm. That's him. Behold Christ crucified. 
and then behold him resurrected. And behold him coming soon. Hair white like wool and eyes like blazing fire. His train fills the temple. Guess what? We get to be the train. Following him at the battle of Armageddon. Slam Duncan evil. Headed for the lake of fire for the... Finally, finally, behold, he's coming soon. And the day is coming when no man can work. Yes, behold him, rewarding those who diligently seek him. He's coming back to reward you. He is coming back. Behold, the lamb before the shears is silent. So our worship team comes up. We're gonna, we're gonna accentuate something here that'll truly change your life. Behold the lamb before the shears that was silent. When you put Christ on the cross, you, you disfigure his body and people are left with a paralyzed astonishment of what they're looking at and if they realize it's its own category. Silence is the only appropriate reaction. Silence, that's it. It's Each is left to his own processing in the silence of the awe of what they see before them. Behold the crucified Christ. There's nothing to say, nothing should be said. Jesus uses silence a lot. Let he who has no sin cast the first stone. Who realized they needed to drop the stone first? The elder, and when did he realize it? in the season of silence after the statement. It's in silence that we find the confession of sin and the repentance of sin. Silence. The absence of silence may mean the absence of confession and the absence of repentance. Silence. The greatest sermon ever preached, silence. The washing of the disciples' feet. The only thing you could hear above the reticence of those whose feet were being washed was the water cascading over their filthy, soiled feet. Silence. Silence on the cross, intermittently, brought a centurion to say, surely, truly, this is the Son of God. Silence is a time of revelation, confession, repentance, appreciation, awe, respect, and fear. We lack those things. We lack the most appropriate responses to a grand and noble God. If we can't be, we have to do. And if we can't be silent, we have to talk. Listen, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Here's the problem. I see it all the time. We don't know what to say. We don't know what to pray. We don't know how to pray it. We're praying out of the top third of our heart that's gonna spill over in a way. We don't even know what's on the bottom two thirds. We're never quiet enough to actually realize it. Be still before God. Practice that. Discipline yourself. Let your heart commune with him and bypass your mouth. We don't need an indirect communication. At times, we just need to be still and our heart needs to know that he is God and and he will reveal what's in our heart. He will talk to our heart. Our heart will talk back to him. Our mouth won't move. Because it's in silence that we hear him the most clearly and with the highest volume. Saul of Tarsus saw the best when he was struck blind. 
When we are mute, he speaks the loudest. Silence. It's worshipful. Revelation, the book of Revelation, there was silence in heaven for about a half an hour. Why? The opening of the scroll and the impending action thereof left all those in the know that there was nothing, nothing to say. If you worship a God for which there is never a season to be quiet and say nothing, you're worshiping a God far less than who he is in the Bible. We ought to be struck mute by our astoundedness of him. The world does not fear him, therefore the world has no wisdom. There's no awe of God because there's no silence. We have been taught to mask or provide some superstitial antidote that says I'm communing with him, but it's out of the abundance of the heart, the overflow, the top third, down in the bottom. There's a heart that wants to honor him, hold him, love him, worship him. There's a bitterness that wants to be eradicated. There's an anger that wants to be stymied. Be still and know that he is God. Behold him. Change your life. Kings will shut their mouths because of him. That's the cross. Arrogant, evil kings become silent at the sight of a God who is so far beyond words. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who reigns in all the earth. We actually think that angels are singing that in English. People actually think that English is being spoken in the throne room of grace. There's a prayer language that covers every tribe and every language. It's understood immediately in heaven. And as wonderful as it is, my friend, it's inadequate. Even God came up with a language that's inadequate. There was silence in heaven for about a half an hour. That speaks to me. I want you to be, I want you to close your eyes. I want you to bow your head. I want you to just be. I don't want you to pray. You do that often enough. I don't want you to pray. I just want you to be. And I want to picture you allowing your heart to be open to him for direct communication, direct divine surgery, and direct encouragement and love. Where words are many, sin is not absent. Be still, my friend. <laughs>